This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Dini and I follow European Union legislation and regulation to make sure that whatever comes out of Brussels does not inhibit the sharing of free knowledge and educational content online and offline. And ideally, uh, even uh, makes sharing of information on Wikipedia and its sister projects easier uh, for our community and for everyone else in the world. I know within the Wikimedia world, you get referred to as Wikimedia's man in Brussels. What exactly does that mean? Well, um, well, where this comes from is that uh, when we decided that we need to um, follow up on what's going on in Brussels, we decided we need somebody there who would basically do the job. But we didn't want to be this just traditional lobby shop that has a lobbyist and, you know, um, a, a traditional person and a consultancy there. Uh, but we want to actually reflect that, you know, we are a community and one of our community members uh, gets to do this job. And this is why we came up with this rather, let's say, neutral title of uh, Wikimedian in Brussels. Uh, on a daily basis, it means that there is a legislative process. So usually when the European Union wants to do new legislation, they first have a consultation, a public consultation, which uh, me and my colleague Anna Masgal it's two of us in Brussels for Wikimedia. Uh, we read through whatever they have in mind. We usually have a meeting with the commission. Then we answer this public consultation. We usually set up a, a page on MetaWiki and ask for community participation. So we have a very open system where anybody who wants to join our efforts on one or another reform can do that. And then the European Commission usually proposes a, a legislative file. Recently, this happened with the Data Governance Act, and this goes to Parliament. And then what we do is we see whether Wikidata and Wikipedia and our other projects, whether they would be at all influenced by that, whether anything would change for them. And if yes, if it's in a good way, we go out to, to the European Parliament and we say we support this. And if not, we say we have an issue here because this would this change in legislation would have us have less open data on Wikidata and that's not good. Could you please fix that? So that's what it means. Um, well, that's the core of, of the job, basically. So why is it that Wikimedia cares so much about copyright? Well, because it, it simply is a part of our everyday lives. Everything we do nowadays um, basically creates a copy, uh, no matter whether we send a, a meme over a chat program or whether we write something on a Wikipedia article. Everything is ruled by copyright. And therefore, um, it depends on copyright law, whether we can have an article about Madonna and have the CD cover of one of her albums, and whether we can have a picture of the Eiffel Tower on the Wikipedia article, and on whether we can um, depict a certain uh, painter with uh, one of their paintings that hangs in the Louvre, for instance. You know, you kind of mentioned, I suppose, a lot of the collections of the Louvre in particular would be what would we what we would regard as public domain. So the, the creator of the work has died, is a historical figure, so their work has fallen into the public domain. But why is it that Wikimedians are so exercised about public domain works and particularly how they're managed by their institutions like galleries and libraries and museums? Yes, uh, basically, I, I think Wikimedians and uh, museums and libraries and galleries 
have the same mission. They want to preserve, to safeguard uh, our cultural heritage, and they want to share it with their communities, with with uh, their their fellow citizens, with society at large. Um, however, the approach we take is, of course, very different, uh, and we just want everything, or you know, a, a digital copy of everything, to be freely available online. And this, of course, sometimes clashes uh, with how traditionally museums operate and how even public museums are asked by their governments to finance themselves. So they're really dependent on people going into the building and paying an entrance fee. Most of them do actually rely on this money to quite a bit. So where we clashed in the past is that while everything that's older, well, the, the rule of thumb here is um, anybody who's been dead for longer than 70 years, uh, his or her works are in the public domain, which means they're free of copyright and restrictions imposed by copyright. So you can theoretically do whatever you want with these images. However, they were and there still are for a few more years, uh, probably quite a few exceptions to this. So for instance, in Germany, uh, next to copyright, you have uh, image rights, which means that even if an old painting is in the public domain, if somebody takes a photo thereof, the photo has a different set of rights that protect it. This was a problem for us. There was this very famous court case in Germany where the Rice Engelhorn Museum in the city of Mannheim basically sued a Wikipedian for putting up a portrait uh, painted by Cesar Willig. Uh, it was a portrait of Richard Wagner, and it depicted the article of uh, Richard Wagner on Wikipedia, on German Wikipedia at least. So um, basically the Wikipedian and the Wikimedia Foundation, it went all the way up to uh, Germany's highest court, and they lost because the highest court said, well, yes, copyrights expired, but there are image rights on this. And uh, what we did is there was at this time, uh, it was a few years ago, the EU copyright reform was just happening. And we went to parliament and to the um, member states governments of the European Union and we said well this is not right because public domain is supposed to ensure you know there is some balance between protected and you know the commons um, so they said yeah actually yes you know public domain shouldn't be extended by related rights or you know by such different manners in Spain for instance you get an extra 20 years of copyright protection if you digitize an image which of course is a mess uh, so now in the latest uh, copyright reform that passed uh, in the European Union and that is going to be implemented in all EU member states next year. Uh, we have an article that actually uh, is a public domain safeguard, and it says that if a work is in the public domain, any faithful, so any one-to-one um, -one reproductions thereof will also remain in the public domain regardless of you know image rights. So uh, we consider this as one of our gains and also something that just makes digitization and sharing of our cultural heritage much safer and much easier. I'm talking to you because we're coming up onto New Year's, which I think for a lot of Wikimedians is synonymous with Public Domain Day, when a lot of works, you know, when you say when, when somebody is, depending on where they are in the world, has uh, died 70 or 50 or however many years previous, uh, their works fall into the public domain. But this is obviously, it's, it's important to Wikimedia projects, but it's also very complicated. Can you give us some idea of how commons and the Wikimedia movement broadly have to navigate these very kind of complicated global 
different rules and things like that? Basically, it's a mess and it takes a lot of people uh, digging into a lot of legal texts and, you know, additions to these reforms and then debating and arguing about it. And it's, I think, Europeana and Comunia, uh, so uh, two associations that also care about the public domain a lot. Um, a few years ago, they made this thing, this project called the Public Domain Calculator. And for basically each of the then 28 member states of the European Union, they had like a flowchart of how to establish whether a work is in the public domain. And we actually printed it out and tried to hang it on, on in the corridor. And I think it was, although it was like tiny text, like small letters, it was, I think, three meters uh, tall. Um, so it, it was a huge flowchart. Yeah, it's, 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 it's basically hard. We have the general rule that it's life plus 70 years. Uh, and this has also been sort of unified across the European Union. But because the European Union works as it does, uh, whatever traditional exception to this rule um, there was, most member states got to keep it. So now, for instance, we have the situation where in France you get uh, an extra 30 years of copyright protection for works if the author died uh, on active service, which is very famous by now case of uh, The Little Prince with uh, Exupéry having um, died in, in World War II as a, as a fighter pilot for France. Uh, so he enjoys these extra 30 years of copyright protection, but only in France. So the um, Le Petit Prince, so The Little Prince is uh, public domain everywhere in the EU except for in France. So what does this mean? Frankly, we don't know. Uh, which law applies to Wikipedia? That's a very complicated question to answer. Yes, I suppose Wikipedia and Wikipedia Commons are an unusual case because it has this global reach. I think people are probably not aware of also the, compl the complication of where the actual physical media sits. So the fact that the servers traditionally have sat in the United States? Yes, so we, we always respect US copyright law uh, because it's where the servers are physically located, so where these images and the data basically lives. Although, I mean, if, if we're honest, it's it, quite a lot of it is co-hosted in Amsterdam on a proxy. Uh, but there's the technical aspect of it. But then again, if, if you look at modern legislation, increasingly what countries and blocks of countries like the EU are doing is they say, well, regardless of, of where the origin is, so where the where, where the, the service is, is physically located, what matters is where it broadcasts or to where it's targeted. So if something is targeted at the European market, it must also, if you look at the GDPR and some of the newer legislation that the EU has been producing, it must also respect European laws, which is understandable. Uh, but, well, we, we, we have this tension here between we still have one internet, so one electronic network that we use as a public space. But we have, regardless of whether it's copyright or it's privacy rights, territoriality. So one of two things needs to happen. Either the internet will get fragmented and will have many different internets, depending on which country and which territory you're in, or uh, rules and laws like copyright will increasingly become harmonized over the coming decade. And basically the, the world is at the crossroads now because 
uh, there is this innate tension between territorial law and a global internet. So basically, we need um, we need a one world government, a la Star Trek or something like that. Yeah, no work. I, it's it's probably a a topic for a few other podcasts. But yeah, I mean, one one of two things is going to happen. <laughs> Watch this space, kind of thing. Yeah. So you you hinted at it earlier, but there's I think something that a lot of people aren't aware of is the phenomena of freedom of panorama and how that affects uh, projects like Wikimedia Commons, but also the work that you've been doing with harmonizing of EU laws around copyright. Could you ex expand that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so freedom of panorama is one of the more obscure ones because it's one of these things that uh, practically uh, no one but Wikipedians care about. Well, increasingly people make photos, but it's basically one of these um, laws and exceptions that were created at a time uh, where photography was something completely professional and that now, you know, causes entirely different um, effects that uh, everyone basically has a, a rather high resolution camera in their pockets. Uh, but yeah, freedom of panorama means uh, basically copyright law protects anything that is artistic or original. And this, of course, includes uh, sculpture and architecture. So if you're out on, on a public square and there is a sculpture or some public art that you take a photo of it, you basically create a copy of it or a derivative work of it. And according to copyright law, you would need to ask the author for prior permission. Um, same applies to, let's say, um, a, a facade of a building. And now, since this is a bit not really workable in everyday life, most countries have an exception to copyright that we call freedom of panorama, uh, which means that any art and architecture that is permanently located in public places is free to photograph. And you can use the photographs thereof. Now, there are a few exceptions to it. So, uh, France introduced this exception after we complained a lot, but only for non-commercial uses. So while it's great they have it now, we still can't properly use it on Wikipedia. Italy probably doesn't have a freedom of panorama exception, but on top of this, they also have something called the antiquity laws, which basically says that if you want to reuse a photograph of anything that is basically ancient uh, and the cultural heritage of the state of Italy, you need to pay the Ministry of Culture some fee. And, you know, there are all these exceptions. Um, basically, in, in some countries, you can uh, use a drone and take a photo of, you know, a public art, let's say some sculpture in a, in, a, in a public park. You can take it from a drone. In other countries, they'll tell you, no, you need to be standing on a, on a public street and then take the photo. So this makes it very complicated. I mean, people travel all across Europe and they share their images online uh, with everybody else. And we see that this law is, well, not fit for everyday use. Um, so I think um, there is some tension there and it will need to be harmonized at some point, at least across the EU. We still don't have uh, the political will to do this because we're in the situation that basically every country wants to keep as much um, as many prerogatives as they can for themselves. Yeah, so there's this tension where there's this this the idea of harmonization sounds nice until perhaps the country loses what they would see as kind of a key element. Yes, I mean it's basically the same tension that I I, I assume exists in most countries where you know if the central government and the capital wants to do something that the communities have done so far by themselves, there will be some you know complaining from the communities that they would prefer doing it themselves. So, you know, uh, we need to figure out what the best balance is. But here again, we have, if we want to keep having a common network and projects like Wikipedia that everybody can see, we also need the legal framework that allows for this to happen. Just as a, 
as a final final bit and partly this is my own curiosity so you mentioned that you know you came to this position because you were part of the Wikimedia movement and there was this idea that to have somebody from the community so how is it that you got started how did you get engaged first with the with was it with Wikipedia was it with uh, well you know your native language Wikipedia how what was your in into the world of Wiki yeah, my in was well. No, I, I at some point I I had started editing Bulgarian Wikipedia. So this is basically my home wiki is Bulgarian language Wikipedia. Partially because it's a much smaller community, so you can do much more, many more things without being disturbed by other editors. Uh, the experience on on larger language wikis was. Well, you know, it, at some point you have so many people that want to argue. Uh, and on smaller Wikipedias, it's like basically you pick a topic like modern art in Bulgarian and you're alone for a year and nobody, you know, is there to help you, which is sometimes it's lonely, but sometimes it's nice. But also I think that if you come from a smaller language, even though you speak other languages and you may participate in them, um, you have this, well, I feel like it's, it's, it's a bit of a need to give back to the smaller language and to make sure it's alive. But yeah, then, you know, long story short, I, I did my studies. I got an internship in Brussels. I stayed around, started working for a Brussels lobbying and trade association. Uh, but I also saw copyright and other things happening in Brussels that reflect on Wikipedia. So in my free time, I started uh, basically organizing this Wikipedia, Wikimedia lobbying uh, and advocacy activities, which was, you know, at a very low intensity level because I didn't have that much time next to my regular job. And then at some point, you know, basically we formed a working group and it was decided that it's one of these things that can be done by volunteers alone, mainly because of the fact that a lot of the of the meetings and a lot of the events that you need to participate in to get to talk to the political decision makers happen during the day. Uh, and you need to be able to follow a process over three, four, five, six years. And if you're a volunteer, you might be around for a few months, but then you have other things to do. You have your private life, you have your work. Um, so, you know, to ensure long-term sustainability, we decided to have like a few one or two people who work on this, but, you know, always with the idea that as many community members as possible will be involved. Well, before I um, turn off the recording, is there anything, I suppose, anything that's happened recently or anything you'd just like to talk about, about your work or anything that you think that's interesting that's happened or that's important that you'd like to? Well, just as it happens, three days ago, the, the European Commission made its proposal for a new regulation called the Digital Services Act, which will basically rewrite the rules of who, which online platform is responsible for what on the internet. So there is still a lot to unpack there because it's like an 88-page legal text and we're still analyzing it. But um, it basically aims to put a European-wide framework on how content moderation works across platforms, including Wikipedia. So Facebook, Wikipedia, Twitter, everybody's included in there. And it will have things like notice and action rules. It will have things like trusted flaggers and have them legally defined. It will have protection on fundamental rights and freedom of speech. Uh, and we very much welcome such basically safeguarding fundamental rights and user rights across platforms because not everybody gives their community and their users as much power and as much freedom as we do. Uh, but one thing we feel is missing from the proposal and that this happens quite a lot is that uh, whenever new internet regulation is created, um, the, the, the people who write this always think of governments and government agencies and of private 
private companies who are supposed to sort of fix the internet as a public space and who says what and disinformation and harassment and and you know all these uh, racism and all these problems that we have and what we feel is that in the end the online space much like the the physical space is a public space that cannot be um, it cannot be safe if we don't have a civil society and the community a real society that is constructive and uh, there must be a space for this also in legislation and there must be a space for also safeguards for users and communities so they are not overrun but whatever a platform or a government agency decides is legal or 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 unwanted or, or illegal or not or not liked on the internet interesting has this come from uh, some of the what has been the impetus for this sort of framing of it has this come from like the content filter type Area. Yes, I mean, basically, we we had a well, we had the copyright reform, which was all about. I mean, not all about, but a large part of this was, you know, how should uh, platforms treat uh, infringing or non-infringing material? When should something be deleted? And you know, how basically, how the moderation of copyrighted content should happen, uh, including exceptions and limitations. And it was a mess. Uh, then, right now in the pipeline, there is a regulation on how online platforms should treat. Um, terrorist propaganda and terrorist content and you know how it should get deleted and you know which public authority should send a notice or should platforms have to police their own websites proactively um, and then at some point it's just the 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 thought and the conversation naturally went to a way uh, naturally went away where where people more or less agreed and you know I'm, I'm not I mean, the devil's in the details of course but we are not against such a regulation that basically we need a horizontal framework for all types of content and we just can't just have one set of rules for copyright i mean of course there will be differentiations but in the end if you fragment this content moderation in 20 different regulations it's 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 much harder to handle so here the idea is to set up uh, horizontal rules that will cover everything from copyright to harassment uh, to terrorist propaganda and you know basically also have the user and the citizen safeguards in there so you know that no matter whether a piece of your content was deleted because of copyright claims or because somebody claimed it was terrorist propaganda that you basically have the same safeguard across platforms and across content categories do you think this marks kind of a move away from because you know a lot of the what's come out has been quite reactive you know the fact that copyright law until now really hasn't accounted for digital or for the ways in which content is now shared or, or you know as you say created and shared do you think that there's kind of a progress in the thinking that this is a this is showing that there's kind of a an evolution in how they're rather than reacting to the current setup that they're kind of okay well we can't possibly we don't really know where we're going with this like what the next evolution of the internet or digital sharing is going to be like so the political ambition is definitely that we as Europe want to get ahead of the curve and to basically anticipate and shape uh, the way our public space online will look uh, in a way that, you know, we see as, as beneficial and, you know, that, you know, basically is in line with what we as Europeans expect of public spaces. Whether this will actually happen or not is, of course, a whole different topic. Uh, but yes, uh, basically the legislator is, in my opinion, making an honest mistake to get ahead of the curve here. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Well, thank you so much, Dimi. Really appreciate your time.
This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Thank <laughs> you.